Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Knoll, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. So Maya Noor, thank you for joining me on Listening with Leaders. You are a startup advisor and business consultant, and you can be found at www.cryacrya.site slash Sumaya. And I guess I should spell your name too, S-U-M-I-A-I-Y-A. And people can see it on the screen. Welcome. Thank you so much, Doug, for having me. And I'm really glad to have to be here and you know to have this conversation with you. Well great. So start off tell us a little bit about your background. I knew I know you grew up in Pakistan, but tell us tell us about your early life and then and then and how it evolved to what you're doing today. So as you know that I was born and I grew up in Pakistan and uh, I was based in the capital city of uh, Pakistan, which is Islamabad. My life was pretty average coming from a middle class family. Both my parents were from a working class. Uh, I am the eldest of the five siblings and um, uh, usual challenges of middle class and uh, coming from a country like Pakistan where patriarchy is pretty strong even to this day. It was not an easy journey to, you know, get to the school and to get to the type of education, uh, which many people probably still dream of. But I'm really thankful and grateful to my parents. Both of them were educated, probably not that well off when it comes to financially, but definitely educated. And that played a really important role, especially my mother coming from an educated background and having a full career of her own with five kids, which I cannot. I mean, it's it's really hard to comprehend. How did she even have that? But anyway. Anyways, and that played an important role. Still, it was a very challenging journey getting to some of the, you know, universities which are topmost in Pakistan, globally ranked, uh, very prestigious, and especially for a woman in uh, technology. So, for one thing, which I still recall vividly, that in a batch of sixty-five students, when I was doing my bachelor's in engineering, I was part of only nine, like nine girls in that class. So it was not easy when you start working with those people coming from certain culture, from certain mindset, and you have to form those groups and teams together. So that's where I started learning about, you know, the differences and how to deal with different type of people coming, people coming from not only different cultural background, but also coming from different probably educational or professional background. And from there, then I always wanted to have an international career. I, after my completing my engineering, worked for a short period of time, then did my MBA from um, the top most university in Pakistan. And uh, actually, I didn't want to do that, but my father somehow convinced me because I wanted to come abroad and uh, my parents couldn't afford it. And I wanted to get a scholarship and I figured it out by that time that I want to go to US for my further education. But my father told me that not even a single guy himself from our entire family has went that far and you're a girl. So I'm not willing to send you. But finally, because uh, I, I had a very friendly relationship in with my father and he passed away 13 and a half years earlier. 
So I still recall it vividly. Somehow I convinced him and then I made this deal with him that I will do MBA here. But then afterwards, I'll still pursue my dream of international career. And that's how that was the turning point in my life. I applied for Fulbright scholarship uh, in U.S. for people or our audiences uh, who don't know what Fulbright scholarship is. It's one of the most prestigious scholarship which is offered throughout the world by U.S. And it's very competitive. It's an open merit scholarship. There is no need based thing associated with it. I was very fortunate to get it. Uh, and um, then I finally landed in US. That was my first international country and journey and trip was a very uh, welcoming experience because all the people I met were really open. And for the first time, I started seeing the world in a very different way. I have always been a very uh, inclusive person and I believe strongly in syncretism but the type of amalgamation which I have seen or diversity which I've seen in US especially the university where I went Purdue University it's the second most diverse university in US when it comes to demographics so that was a life-changing experience and from there I restarted my career I worked with IBM and uh, I worked uh, in four continents multiple countries and currently Moving fast forward, currently I'm based in Toronto and um, I'm working in product and digital transformation. And my most recent role was as a chief product strategy officer. And right now I'm doing advisory work with startups across the globe and I'm really loving it. Wow, what a journey. I can't even imagine how a woman, a young woman in Pakistan <laughs> evolving the way that you have. That's really, that, I mean, that's pretty impressive. That's really impressive. No, thank you, Doug. I think uh, I would like to say that it definitely had a lot of challenges and still have quite a few challenges. Uh, you have to, one thing which I've learned through this journey, which I would really like to share with our listeners, that you have to get comfortable with two things. One, not everyone will like you and you have to get comfortable with being unliked by a lot of people because the culture from where I come from even if you are ambitious and if you're a woman, if you're a male and ambitious, then there is no problem. If you're ambitious and have big dreams and you're a woman, then many people don't like you. And you have to make a lot of personal sacrifices in order to, you know, stay that way. Or either you have to compromise your personality or yourself altogether to be liked by the people. So one thing which I've learned on early on in my journey, in my career, in my life, that not everyone is out there to like me or to support me. And that's fine because not everyone is obligated to support me and I will be comfortable and I will find my own path. And the second thing which I have learned is that being open and being vulnerable is really important, both in professional and personal relationships. I strongly believe, especially later on in my career, when I assumed leadership roles, sometimes people think that you don't have to be genuine and you don't have to show the vulnerability to your team or in, you know, difficult conversations. And I strongly believe that having that vulnerability is really important to build the rapport and that strong bond and relationship. Now, I'm really not saying that it doesn't come with its own challenges. Not everyone will take it positively. But once you form a bond on the basis of candidness and vulnerability, I think it's very long lasting and a strong one. So when you talk about vulnerability, especially in the leadership role, say more about that. What do you mean by that? 
I strongly believe, and it brings me back to one of my uh, mentors. I really respect him to this day, uh, Kevin Sullivan. I would like to call out his name. I joined as an intern at IBM, uh, and I was very fortunate to work at their headquarters in New York. I had a career behind me, but of course, I was still going to school in US, and I restarted my career. And I thought myself, at, like I, I consider myself a lifelong learner. So I put myself in that place. And this guy was a senior VP at that point in time. And we had a like, if not more, at least 40 years of age difference as well. The way he treated me right from the day one, because I got an opportunity to work with him on certain projects. He was very open, very candid with his feedback, with his thought process. And I was uh, very critical of myself. I have always been very critical of myself. That's one thing. So I was thinking in my head, maybe I'm very direct sometimes because I have been given a feedback that you come across as ambitious or direct or competitive. So I try to... Um, I try to hide those traits because sometimes, as I said earlier, that when you're a woman, people don't like ambitious women. So I try to hide that or, you know, narrow that down or somehow just protect my personality. And he was the one who told me that you have a very good communication style. And I was just an intern at that point in time. I never thought that I will progress so far in my career that early. And he said, you have a very good communication style. You have a very strong personality. You have, you are ambitious and there is no need to hide that. And I said that not many people, if not many people will like me in that type of personality or communication style, how would I progress through my career? And then he taught me this lesson. He said that Sumaya, you have to show your real self and you have a knack of showing your real self. You are honest, you are high in integrity. So don't hide yourself. You have to be vulnerable. Few people will not like you anyways, but people who will like you for who you are will definitely support you through your career. And then your direct reports at some point in time when you will grow in your career or your peers or your managers will appreciate that you tell them things as they are and you bring the both sides of the story to the table both the positive side as well as the negative side. So I will give a lot of credit to Kevin um, that he enabled me to cement the belief that vulnerability is really important to form strong and long-lasting uh, relationships, both in personal life and professional life. And especially they, it becomes more important when you raise up in the leadership roles because many times people say, always talk about positive things and don't share the real picture of the business with your team. And I strongly believe that if you win the trust of your team and you tell them that here is the good part, but here is not so good part. I think if you take them on board and if you are there for them as a leader, they will support you in your journey. So that's why vulnerability is really important for a leader to be successful in any team or organization. And how's it, as you describe vulnerability, how's it worked out for you? Is it, has it been effective? Most of the times, <laughs> yes. But staying true to myself, I would still say that definitely it comes with its own challenges. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when you show vulnerability, um, professionally or personally. Uh, some people are really not good taking, uh, for example, your uh, humility or your struggles in a very positive way. They try to exploit you because they know the, your struggles or they 
know you that your certain part of you inside you is high on humility so they can exploit you for sure but then being mindful of, mindful of those situations i still believe that vulnerability has its showing vulnerability as a leader as an individual has its own advantages and the pros outweighs the cons because the type of relationship which you form after that even if those are fewer but those are very genuine long lasting and strong ones the bonds are very strong so what that's really interesting so you've you've experienced people trying to exploit you because they see your vulnerability as a weakness and and so you watch for it when people are trying to exploit you but but what you find is that although you may mean as many people may not like you or respect you for being vulnerable and authentic the bonds you do create are lifelong i strongly believe in that i strongly believe in that and i'll give you one specific example here i think it's a, it's a worldwide phenomenon it's not uh confined to one region or one country so um i'm very open about the fact that i am an immigrant to canada so many people tell me oh you know you don't have to say that because canada or australia or many other countries are settler countries and immigrant countries and uh, why do you talk about it because i had a journey here when i moved here after working across four continents multiple countries and that journey was extremely challenging and i am open about it because i want to give hope to other newcomers or immigrants to the country that if i can make it despite all those challenges you can too so that's my main objective but when i talk about you know being immigrant and facing those challenges and especially sometimes you are not to speak talking about those things in one on one settings especially in today's day and time after you know pandemic and everything you are doing it through social media and people don't just reach out to you in your dms or you know privately in messages and they're like why do you even talk about it people don't like it so i strongly believe that if you have gone through a certain journey it's important to share it not because for yourself we don't do a lot of things as leaders or as human beings for ourselves i strongly believe that we do a lot of things for other people because that's the rule of nature the sun doesn't shine for itself the trees don't give shade to themselves the flower flowers don't bloom for themselves so if we are doing the same thing our role in this world is to be of service to others and if we are not open if we are not honest in that if we are not showing vulnerability in that that we are equal human beings just like yourself we faced all those challenges as well we had our own doubts as well we were affected by imposter syndrome too at some point in time and even to this day i think that gives a lot of hope and guidance to people in their journeys uh -huh. So as you think about your work what is it that you get most excited about The work itself for sure I love working in technology I'm super excited about uh you know recent technologies like artificial intelligence I'm a software engineer by training and I really like the business side of it as well because I started my career as a software engineer but then just working with computers and programming languages was not my thing I really like to bring technology to real life where it can solve real human problems because that's how we can utilize technology to the benefit of humanity and that's what i do in my day to day 
work of product management or product development. And certain things which I'm really passionate about, even within that specific domain, is uh, health tech, energy tech, clean uh, energy tech or clean tech, and then e-commerce. Because I strongly believe that there is a lot of work which is needed to be done in the health sector globally and even in United States as well. Uh, by the way, according to uh, like recent survey or research, whatever you want to call it, Health tech is one sector in US, I shouldn't even say tech, because it's pretty much still very manual. And it is neat, it is one area where there is a lot of scope to implement technology and to make it better for, for the people. And globally, there is a lot of challenge in you know managing the health systems. And uh, that's what excites me day in and day out. And I'm a big proponent of uh, you know, clean energy and clean tech because the climate change and the impact which we have been seeing it around the globe, but specifically, for example, last year, 2022 floods in Pakistan, oh, were those were worst floods in last 50 years. They're, they're and underwater. Yes, the one third of the country was under the water and the aftermaths of those floods, maybe the world has forgotten about it, but it is still, it has taken back Pakistan at least 10 to 12 years, if not more. Wow. So it's like extreme. And it's not only Pakistan. Of course, it's close to my heart because I was born there. But if you move around the globe and you see the glaciers melting in Norway, look at California. the way they are melting. Yeah, look I mean, at California and how much rain we got here and how much snow is up in the mountains just ready to come down and flood here on the western slope of the Sierra Nevada. Look at the Californian wildfires all the time, Australian wildfires. wildfires. Yeah, 2020, we had the, the third largest wildfire in California history that burned a third of the national forest right above me. Yeah, and so we have to, uh, like, have I mean, as mankind, we have to do something about it. Right. Because if we will not learn to live in harmony with the nature, we are actually harming ourselves and we are creating a problem for all other species on this planet as well. So I, I'm very passionate about these things. But one thing other than work itself, I really like working with diverse team, people from different backgrounds, uh, from different countries and um, different ethnic, religious Toronto, and cultural backgrounds. Toronto is a perfect place for that. I, I have I have rarely been in a city where so much diversity is just out there working on the streets. It's just amazing to watch. It is. Toronto is definitely, and Toronto is the most diverse city in the Canada, entire Canada. Yes. Vancouver is very diverse as well, but Toronto definitely takes the lead. Uh, one thing, one caveat, which I would just like to share here, because we're talking about diversity. Diversity is definitely good, but I strongly believe, and this is my mantra in life, that diversity without inclusion is nothing. Because diversity happens just because people are coming to a certain region or there is an influx of people from all different parts of the globe in a certain region, whether it's Toronto, whether it's New York, whether it's San Francisco, LA or whatever place in the world, even Dubai. But if people are not inclusive and they still have a very cliquish and clannish mindset, I strongly believe that it's not good for anyone. Right. Like one, as I said earlier, one of my very basic mantra in life is syncretism and eclecticism. I believe taking good parts from every 
good things from or good learnings from every part, every religion, every culture, every country, and every community. So why do, yes, people have differences, probably the way they look, the probably the way they eat or do a lot of things, but there are more commonalities than differences. And if we can collect those good practices and commonalities, and if we can learn to see each other and interact with each other as human beings, I think the world would be a much better place. So I'm very strong on inclusiveness because diversity without inclusion is really, it doesn't mean not anything. Yep, I, I absolutely agree with you. So what is it about you that makes you unique, different than everybody else? I I think everyone is unique, but one thing which I definitely feel in myself, which I, I feel it's probably missing in people of my age group, um, I still am extremely passionate and I have a childlike curiosity. Like I really want to learn everything, know about everything around me, how things work, whether it's nature, whether it's like I'm a passionate student of history, sciences, um, like a big fan of nature. Nature can make my mood <laughs> better anytime. I'm very curious about people, technology, politics. So I think my passion and curiosity makes me extremely unique, especially in this age, because when people meet me and uh, especially I was talking to my old friend the other day and I'm in my late thirties. Sometimes people think even when I meet people of my age group, they're like, I find them boring sometimes because you want to strike a conversation and you're like, oh, you know what? Uh, Rishi Sunak has been uh, selected as prime minister of UK recently. And many of them like are really, when did that happen? Especially if they are, you know, people who are not into current affairs or politics or living in one part of the world. It's not about, and this is too surprising for me because we live in an age and day and time where everything is just one click away. So I think my passion and curiosity definitely is something. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to ask me that question, I, that would be kind of the top of my list too. I'm a really curious person and I love to learn. So it's um, cool. Let's pivot to listening. So Sumaya, um, tell me about the importance of listening in leadership. I think that leaders as listening is one of the most important skills and for a leader, whether in technology or otherwise. And the reason for that is that um, listening enables a leader to make better decisions, to be aware of what their team is going through to come up with innovative solutions. And also because, I mean, we have been given two years and one mouth, and that means that we have to listen more and speak less. And also another way of looking at it or the perspective is that when you speak more, you only get to hear what you already know. <laughs> but when you listen more, you learn from other person and people have this thing. Oh, why should I listen to X person or Y person? And I strongly believe that no matter what's a person background or what's a person profession is, if you are really up for learning, you can learn from anyone. Now there are things which you can learn from an individual, which you need to do or which you should do. And then there are always things which you learn from someone that you shouldn't be like that. 
or shouldn't do those type of things. So I think that's it's really important for a leader to listen more in order to gauge the ecosystem around them, to gauge the team's sentiment around them, and in order to make informed decisions and to come up with innovative solutions. What do you think gets in the way of good listening? I think, first of all, give full and undivided attention to your uh, speaker at that in that moment because these days with all the distractions around us especially digital and technological distractions i think many people forget that there is a world outside their cell phone and laptop and uh, you know uh, these gadgets as well and i think all of us in the end as human beings want to be heard want to be understood and want to be validated by someone. And let's suppose, Doug, if I'm if you're talking to me and I'm if I'm looking down at my phone or at my computer screen or on my, at my tab screen, how would you feel about it? Well, yeah, I, I, obviously, I'm not feeling like I'm being listened to. It, to, to your... Yeah, I mean, we will not even make that human connection when we when I we look in each other's eye during a regular conversation. And I think it's also very important when people say that listening i would like to take it to another level which is active listening because if you are not making that connection according to research 78% of communication is nonverbal so if you are not even looking at the other person how would you get their body language what they are thinking right now what their facial expressions are or you know things like that and you won't be able to focus on their tone or Things like that. So I think active listening is really important and more so in business as a leader. So when you're talking about active listening, what are you talking about? I, I make a distinction between active listening and reflective listening. When you're thinking about active listening, how, what does that mean to you? I think active listening is not only just hearing other individual, rather empathizing with them. That, okay, this is another individual. It's their perspective. Even if it's different than my own, where they're coming from. I know being a human being sometimes, and especially in the heat of the moment or when you are in emotions, it's not always easy to do. But that's why it takes practice as a leader to be an active listener. And then the second thing is that not only listening and thinking all the time in your head that how would I respond back to it? just listening for the sake of understanding other individual first and then taking a moment to formulate your own response to that uh you know whatever they are saying and then responding back Great. and the third thing which i would like to highlight here as a leader i think active listening goes a step further and it's also really important to understand the background or context that where your reportee or your employee or your team member is coming from, what they actually mean when they say certain things, because they may not be able to say it directly to you sometimes. So it's really important for a leader to put themselves in those empathetic shoes to understand where they're coming from. Interesting. So in reflective listening, I teach people how to reflect back the speaker's meaning and emotions from the speaker's frame of reference so the speaker feels deeply listened to and heard and understood and in active listening active listening i keep thinking about the old thomas gordon what i hear you saying is x which we all know doesn't work very well but the idea is but the idea in reflective listening is to show the speaker that you understand not only what the speaker said, 
but what the speaker meant to say, and also what the speaker experienced emotionally while staying mad. What do you think about that? I think that's a very good way of putting it, and you even took it a level further, especially when you talk about reflective listening. I think it's a great art. It's It takes time, effort, and practice to learn. And I think for leaders, it's really important to... Uh, you know, master it at a certain point in their career. Because I strongly believe uh, the higher up you go in any organization or in any field, I think more than your technical skills or hard skills, the type of, uh, you know, these type of skills where you talk about reflective listening or the type of communicator you are and how well you connect with people are way more important than your hard skills and technical skills. Absolutely. I think that the higher up you move in an organization, in an organizational hierarchy, the less the hard skills are important and the more your listening skills and your speaking skills and your persuasive skills and your decision-making skills, all these skills that don't have anything to do, for example, with coding, which I would call a hard skill, yeah. are all the, the higher up in an organization you get, the, the more responsibility you have, the more critical it is that you develop these skills that don't have anything to do with the actual production of stuff, but it have to do with how you relate to people. And Doug, if you are saying that, so I will go with it because I have experienced some of your reflective listening. Uh, it's a very out of this world sort of experience. I think very few people can make you uh, feel that, uh, I, I don't know, emotionally connected with yourself right. and with themselves as well. Right. When, I when, think it comes with practice and a lot of practice. Not, not as much as you might think. I can take a normal, I can take somebody like you and in, in six to eight weeks, I can turn you into a master at this if you're wanting to practice. It really doesn't take that long. But what it takes, especially if, you're learning how to do the very deepest type of listening, which I call affect labeling, where you're really listening to emotions. You have to be able to want to go out and practice because when you when you think about listening to emotions rather than the words, it's counterintuitive to what you ever think you knew about listening. And so it, it does take a little bit of practice, but it doesn't take a long time. That's the thing that's so amazing about this. You know, six weeks, month, uh, six weeks to uh, maybe eight weeks. If you practice two or three times a week, you get it. And then all of a sudden your life transforms. That's the thing that's so amazing to me. And you've experienced it. I mean, I think we've had a calls before where where I have Affect Label You, if I recall, and you really liked it. Yeah, I really liked it because the type of connection I felt with myself and with you as well in that moment, although we don't know each other for a very long period of time, was very different as compared to my regular conversations. Right. And I think I would love to learn those listening skills. And to our listeners, I mean, I strongly believe based on my life experiences, uh, both professional as well as personal, I think active or reflective listening or the way you are taking it to another level is really important to foster those relationships professionally and personally. And I think we have already established by this time that fostering relationships or working on softer skills or organizational skills, whatever you want to call them, is way more important as you progress through life as well as your uh, career. Yeah. Well, we've come to the end of a half hour. I have one more question for you. Sure. So Maya, what is the one thing that we would not know about you unless you revealed it to us? Well, very few people know about it. 
my father wanted me to be a singer. I used to sing until university level and I won quite a few national and international competitions. Then I got into business and engineering and technology. And now my lifestyle is, it's just, I struggle with time. And uh, I still sing because it makes me feel alive, but only for myself. And I don't go to those competitions anymore. Not because I don't want to. It's just because my schedule doesn't allow that. I love that. But yeah. I love singing. You know, I ask this question of all of my guests, and I'm amazed at how many are musicians. I, and I'm a jazz violinist. I play jazz violin. Uh, oh, awesome. No, because music is a universal language, right? Yeah. Even sometimes I, I listen to music in languages which I don't understand remotely. And I can so easily connect with the emotion of That's the right. song right. or the music. So I strongly think that music can change your entire mood. Like if you play a certain type of music in the morning or evening. So I, it's just like, it makes me feel alive and it's a way of expression. And I strongly believe in the longer run. Yes, in the shorter term, maybe technology has greater impact on humanity. But when I look at history, because I'm a avid reader and student of history, I think art always outlives science and yes. technology always because yes. right now whatever remains are there in italy or in you know indian subcontinent or in european subcontinent or wherever they're mostly of arts not of science or technology that's fine well thank you so much for being with me on listening with leaders samaya it's been a great conversation Likewise, Doug, thank you once again for having me. It was lovely speaking with you and I cannot tell you that how much I enjoyed our conversation and both here and the earlier one when you make me feel like a, a very, uh, you, you gave a very different experience of a reflective listening and active listening. Well, so thanks once again for having me and look forward to speaking with you soon again. You're welcome. Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll.com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listening with leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Noel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.